Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode number 271. Today, it's Mr. Matt Drury. It's Mr. Tim Chelswick. We're fancy. That's what I was thinking. Practically doctors. I didn't want (laughs) to jump the gun because you will probably eventually earn your doctorate. If they give me one. I I was looking for the sound by this is a house of learned doctors. I got it. This is a house of learned doctors. We're about to be. If they gave us one. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm assuming I'll get an honorary. Yeah, exactly. Like all the Hollywood types and mm-hmm. the ball players. That's yeah. right. Rock stars. Someday. Cool. Country music stars, Tim. <laughs> it's a given. Seminole wind. Just, how many credit hours do you need to be short it's to a standard? Kind of, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Dustin Lynch. Uh, leaving me hanging. Yeah, he did. Mm. It'll go down. As maybe my all-time favorite podcast moment. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely one to remember. <laughs> so we had a weekend to remember. We did. We went to NASCAR. Yeah, so St. Louis, actually East St. Louis, Illinois, there's a, uh, it used to be called Gateway, Raceway, mm-hmm. and uh, it's now called Worldwide Technology. But basically it's this huge racetrack that they've never, ever had a NASCAR event, like an official NASCAR race for, you know, the cup or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And they were coming into town. So, uh, I was, I knew, you know, like JP and and the guys at Bass Pro, they usually sponsor a couple of those cars. And so I had checked with them to see if he was coming into town because it's really not far from where we all live and, uh, wanted to see if, you know, take him to dinner or do the podcast or whatever. And Mm -hmm. he's like, no, I'm not coming into town, but if you guys want to go to the race, let me know. And so we do, we, yeah, so we uh, ended up, he just, he hooked us up. He treated us like we were Mark and Terry, I guess. Like better, than, better than what we are. You know you know this, these tickets aren't going to Mark and Terry, right? Like, <laughs> like, I just got to reiterate, this is not for Mark and Terry. The whole time we were there, it kept feeling like we were... We were doing something wrong. Like we were in a prohibited area because we those those passes gave us access to pre- the only place we couldn't go was in the driver's cars. Yeah, everything else was pretty bullshit. much fair game. <laughs> yeah, why didn't they let us sit in there? Yeah, it, it was cool. So we had these VIP, but it was called a grid pass. So it wasn't yeah. just a VIP pass; it was a grid pass, which means you can get on a pit road and actually where the grids are for the cars. And so we, we kind of, we were walking around and we stayed on the other side of the wall at first. And we were kind of back there where the pit boxes are and you know, the garage and all that stuff. Yeah. And we got a tour of uh, Martin Trex juniors uh, hauler. Mm -hmm. And that was cool. His, his guy was really nice to us and kind of took us around. And, uh, and then JP texted me and he's like, Hey, I just sent uh, your number over to Austin Dillon's, you know, the lady at Austin Dillon's group. And they want you to go over to the the actual grid to get you know to meet him and get a photo and so right there when the racers were introduced and then they get to their cars there's a i guess a few minutes where sponsors and stuff meet get and greet yeah meet and stuff. greet and they get to go out there and get a picture with them and all that stuff and so austin he you know i said hey man what's up and he's like hey we got to get a hunt soon you know so that was cool that was mm-hmm. I, I told market terry i was like hey austin dylan wants to hunt with us you gonna let him drive <laughs> the tracker i'm sure they were thinking who doesn't you know like <laughs> he could get in line with whoever else doesn't want to <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm thinking like, 
you know, let's invite the guy out. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so no pressure. Yeah. But uh, the problem is I can't say that because my property isn't worth a crap. <laughs> so it's not like I'm going to invite him to hunt with me. How would you like to fill that freezer with some dough meat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe nothing. <laughs> How would you like to see nothing? Right. <laughs> so a nice leisurely. So I was woods. trying to nudge Mark and Terry along, but that only goes so far. Yeah. Let me know how that works out. <laughs> it doesn't. But yeah, it was, it was my first NASCAR event. So they Same. had the jets fly over at when they're singing the star set, this uh, star spangled banner, which was just, yeah. I mean, the, the they goosebumps. Were low. Holy cow. Which we're right next to an air force base there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Scott. Yeah. Scott air force. It's not far at all from there. So yep. I'm sure they flew out of there, but what were the, I was that a, I don't know. They weren't like, they, it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't a fighter jet. I don't think it, it wasn't like a, it. maybe it's a bomber. I don't know. There were two of them. I, I put it on my Instagram stories. It was so loud mm-hmm. and you knew it was coming because you see it on the jumbotron. And mm-hmm. when it flew over us, they were low and loud and I got goosebumps mm-hmm. like major goosebumps when it happened. And I said, I did, did a uh, post a, a reel about it later. And I was like, man, I had goosebumps at least three times throughout the, yeah. <laughs> the race. You know, it was yeah. cool. Yeah, just hearing the cars come past you, and I mean, and then sitting in the pit box. So the, the uh, folks that that know NASCAR know this stuff, but I didn't realize the pit box is like this transformer box. It's got like panels that open up with computers and it's TV screens and yeah. cables and power and everything. But then the top folds out, and it's the cockpit where they have all the you know data and and screens where they're watching all the tele. Uh, tele, tele telemetry from the car easy for you to say <laughs> i felt like i was an out-of-body experience looking at me trying to say something somebody's, <laughs> somebody's name on the rack telemetry pack. <laughs> telemetry that should, that should be a fake rack pack <laughs> coming <right>. up <laughs> telemetry where does the emphasis go on that word? i don't know that's your problem <laughs> but but then like it folds out and there's seats up there and you could and you're sitting behind yeah. the guys that are that are on the picker and, and you can put the headphones on and listen to the conversation between the driver and the guys in the cockpit so the guy that that was helping us out and and the that took us to check out uh martin trucks's hauler he's like he texted me and said hey there's a spot in demi denny hamlin's uh pit box there were some open seats because they had a lot of people in martin's box and we could have got up in austin's box but i didn't you know the other thing about it is like we felt like you said we felt like we shouldn't be there i didn't want to impose because look we're not sponsoring anybody's car (laughs) let's be real (laughs) don't even ask (laughs) don't ask i can't afford it (laughs) so you know they had real sponsors there and you just wanted to kind of be a fly on the wall Mm -hmm. and you know it's best if you you know, you're to see, be seen, but not heard kind of mentality. Yes. So when yeah. he invited us up to check that out, it was really cool. Well, then Denny got in a little accident and he kept pitting like a lot. So we got a ton of action right there, seeing like the crew and like these two controllers kind of telling them what to yeah. do. And it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Talk about behind the scenes. I think that spoiled me on NASCAR in terms of like, I'll never I'll never have that kind of access again. Yeah. The first the first time out was the yeah. best. I can't imagine being. Well, invited. I'm never inviting you again. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a joke. I don't yeah. know. I won't get invited. What am I talking about? <laughs> it was you, you'll a, be there next weekend. Well, it was just the only reason we got to go is because it was right there in our backyard. Well, and, and you and I talked about this. We're like huge crowds of people, lines, traffic, that stuff doesn't yeah. appeal to us at this stage in I'm life. Old. <laughs> That's another way of saying it. It's a long way of saying it. But when you have the opportunity to do something like that, you do it. And it's it's just a, such an eye opener. Usually dad would have been, so Mark was in Iowa. So he, you know, he wasn't coming down for it. Uh, but 
usually that's something Terry would have been all over. <clears throat> we did like a Richard Petty driving experience with him. Cool. I, he was probably probably when he was around 50, 55, somewhere in there, okay. where he got to drive the race car uh, up in Kansas at the Kansas Speedway. Nice. And that was cool. And then we got to do for like $100, you could do a ride along okay. with the driver. Sure. It's freaking unbelievable and we weren't going like 200 i mean we were probably going like 120 or something you know but still 150 maybe and the, it's amazing how the curve is on those turns oh like, like, like the angle of the bank oh yeah you feel like you yeah it's a, a weird feeling because you're going so fast yeah. you know so i thought that would be all over but he's getting to that point where <clears throat> Those crowds and the loud <laughs> noises. And What's the bathroom access like? Yeah, so he, he passed on it. But yeah, yeah. Lucky well, for you. It, it was. <laughs> and Alan and Scott. Yes, yeah, Terry would have bumped us for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a super incredible uh, access and experience. Yeah. So, so what do you got sitting in front of you here? I've uh, got smoked pecans. Okay, so. These are from. <laughs> Captain Chris C squared, who is one of our Rack Pack members, podcast fan, and he threatened us with his nuts. <laughs> That's what she said for a long time. Yes, <laughs> real every, tease about it. Every now and again, I would be like, "Oh, I think we're supposed to get our shipment of nuts." <laughs> well, he came through in a big way. Holy cow! Did he ever? I feel like I could just hit that soundboard over <laughs> and over here. <laughs> There's a lot of in the window here. So, so he's he's got Captain Crazy's nuts and fine snacks. They're on Facebook. I, I made a post about it and linked. I, I tagged those guys in it. Yeah, but it's crazy because he was a, a, a charter captain. Uh, he was a captain of a charter, uh, like a deep sea fishing boat. <laughs> you have a freaking aneurysm. Uh, over there. A little bit. <laughs> It was almost like he's a learned doctor. <laughs> Anybody that's a captain or a doctor. There's a lot of studying that goes into being a captain. Like it, I guess. The, the test is pretty high. Uh, but, Park. But, but he's like, hey, I've got this like, oh, I've got this snack food business. I want to send you guys some nuts and some shirts and <laughs> the some shirts. What was the back of that shirt? Scott, can you grab that shirt real quick? It, 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 it's a classy, I mean, it's right up our alley. The guy should really sponsor us in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick here. Yeah, All right, thanks. Scott's bringing Scott it in. Thank in you. Left field. So, so the back of it says, uh, Captain Crazy Nuts, better in your mouth than on your chin. I've never known. <laughs> I'm not going to I don't want to be a soundbite, but <laughs> I thought that was pretty comical. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nice we, job. We, we, <laughs> I did a story and, um, and I put. That's what she said. On the story. Big time. Yeah, yeah. It, it deserves it. But we have been going through these pecans and uh, and walnuts. And the peanut brittle. Oh, my, my. I, I took all of it. I, yeah, <laughs> I had a bite. You were concerned about the safety of my teeth. And then as a result, I took, took it all. all the bags <laughs> there was four bags of it. I took every one. <laughs> They're on my desk. Um, I've gone through two of them. I'm going to order some insulin from we Amazon. Got, and got them last week and I'm through two RCs. Hey, listen. Low fat <laughs> okay, content. Well, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the carbs. I'm just saving you. You're yeah, in I appreciate it. Omicron mode all yeah. the time. So that's <laughs> what it is now. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Well, we're actually talking fishing again. We had Kevin Van Dam on a few episodes ago, and we've got no big uh, deal. We've got another. We've got another fishing related guest. Yeah. So <clears throat> this is this is a pretty interesting story. So uh, this guy, his name's Jimmy Powell. He reached out to us probably a year or two ago and he's had this interest in the hunting side and him and his son Isaac they've been going on hunts and he's I think 
originally from the Georgia area, but he bought a farm in Iowa and they had moved uh, to Iowa and his son's with him, you know, hunting and fishing and doing all things outdoors. And the kid's just in love with it. Mm -hmm. So he had a very unique situation last year. He took his son all summer long on a trip through all 50 states, all 50. I believe I got this right. And uh, they, they fished every state in the union. So I wanted to have Jimmy on to tell us all about this. And then I want to joke a little bit because I'm sure it would have cost about 10 times more this year with gas prices. So without further ado, Jimmy Powell, what's up, man? Thanks for jumping on and uh, taking us through the story here. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So what, how did you guys come up with this harebrained idea to to go across the country? And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you guys even hit, Hawaii and Alaska as well? Absolutely, right. Um, Isaac started out with uh, on, on YouTube. That's where he got the idea. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the camera guy actually did a little three-minute long clip of Isaac doing his dedication to the, uh, the summer trip. Um, yeah, they, they, he hit me with it and said, hey, why, why, why can't we uh, fish 50 states? And I was like, well, well, why can't we? Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Um, the story with Isaac and I, he lives in Wisconsin, and I was living in Georgia at the time, full time. So we only got to see each other during the summer anyway. So, okay, well, let's make this the epic summer. Let's put it together and, and um, get, get it going. And, and so that's what we did. Super dad. So so how like how did you lay this out? Like, Because I'm thinking logistics, flights or rental vehicles, and then are you hauling your boat? How, how did you handle all that? So... Gosh, I didn't sleep for probably a week thinking about that. So we came up with the idea of let's just buy a toy hauler, hook it to the truck, and just pull it to all 50 states. And um, I mean, who wouldn't want to travel and camp in all 50 states anyway? So this is a chance to, hey, let's, let's visit 50 states, let's fish 50 states, let's catch fish in 50 states, let's just make an adventure. Um, so I went to Wisconsin to visit him and visited a couple of the RV dealerships and found one that we liked. Um, obviously, we couldn't pull the RV and the boat, so we found we went with kayaks. And the kayaks that we just threw in the back of the toy hauler and parked wherever we needed to and threw them in the back of the truck, get down to the lake. But it actually ended up being a lot easier than, than, than I thought. There was, a, there was a week of waiting to sleep, sleepless nights that, that I didn't have to go through. It was way easier than it could sound. At what point did you realize that you could not drive to Hawaii? <laughs> uh, somewhere in Miami. <laughs> You're on the wrong side to begin with. We're doing 49 states. This I would have made it to California and thought, shit, whoops, I'm not making There's this. no bridge out here. 49 it is. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's one thing to come up with the dream. It's one thing to buy the RV and get the kayaks, but the logistics of actually, I mean, surely you guys sat there and tried to, or you did figure out, okay, what's the the best path to get, you know, is there a scenic route? Is there, you know, what's the best path to hit every single one to be the most efficient with your time? Well, um, I I guess we're sort of the fly by the seat of your pants type anyway. Uh-oh. We had we had trips planned in, in, in Wisconsin. We had a we had a place to fish there. Two days later, people were inviting us to come to their place in California, in Oregon, in Texas, oh. within two days of the legal Wisconsin. Well that was definitely not gonna happen. So we just said, well wherever we are, that's where we'll fish along the way. We'll just take the most direct route of, of around the country. And um 
At first, it started out, well, let's just catch, Isaac says, well, let's just catch a fish. I think catching a bass in every state would be, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty difficult. However, the very first morning in Wisconsin, he caught his first bass. We loaded up our lunch, and gosh, that evening we were fishing in, um, in Illinois. We were fishing that evening, and he caught his second bass in the same day. Okay. So, okay, now it became a bass fishing trip throughout the summer versus just a fishing trip. So, and, and, and like I said, it got easier the next morning. We're in Indiana, and then I think when we got to the Northeast, some of those states were able to hit three to four states in a, in a, in a day. Um, so, yeah, we just took it, took it by i can picture like you catch a fish and then you, yeah. you throw it back in you run and you jump in here all right we gotta go <laughs> yeah was that what you guys did no i mean there are lots of people who come along for support and guys would come and say hey you, you found a fishing spot um and, and they want to talk for a little while and barbecues and have some lunch and meet us over here for some ice cream and wow. load up and take off to the next place so it, it, it's not like we spent a lot of time in each state, mm-hmm. but we spent enough time in each state to get to know someone. I, I don't know why, but I keep picturing uh, the vacation, Chevy National Lampoon vacation, the first one, the one they're going to Wally World, yeah. and they're at the Grand Canyon. He just robbed that place, and so he's like, he she wants to take a picture. They want to take a family picture, and Chevy just like he's like, all right, we're gonna go, we're gonna go. Like I just like, all right, we're here. Take a picture. Let's go. Yeah, immediately I'm thinking Jimmy is a better dad than I am because I'd be like, all right, Chevy we, Chase, we did it. Like, let's get out of here. Let's go, go, go. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'd be trying to make cream. the best time everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, so I'm curious, like after 50 states. What were some of your go-to baits that you're like, okay, this is, you know, a Texas rig worm or like what, what were some of your, your standards? And were you using a Zepco? <laughs> Person, you're asking question. for it, man. <laughs> Just well, three Zepco four. 33 in the rooster tail is my go-to. Hey, hey. Oh, oh man. And it stayed in the truck the entire time. I, I, I didn't fish. Um, I, don't, I don't know a lot about fishing. Isaac, <laughs> see jimmy you're not helping me i, I got uh, the last podcast it said i got killed on social media because i i had a zepco in hand and everybody just slaughtered me for being a novice fisherman and then you just said you don't fish much that doesn't help not my good at it. i don't know anything about it and that's why i use a zepco folks okay. <laughs> all right moving on sorry to cut you off <clears throat> so so you said a oh, rooster oh, tail right the zepco 30 the rooster tail is what I grew up on uh-huh. as far as fishing, and it caught lots and lots of bass. However, you can't talk Isaac into using a, a push button or a rooster tail. It's too sophisticated. Um, he's fancy face. He watched, watches too much Kevin Van Dam. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Van Dam has. Kevin so, ruins everything. And, uh, but, but I did learn a lot. I learned a lot from watching the fish and just the other guys who came with their input. Our camera crew were, were avid fishermen, and uh, they, they, they helped us along a lot. Um, sure. Scott is more of a boat type person. He's not a canoe guy. So whenever we got to bigger lakes, they always want to rent a boat. We drive the boat. And, mm-hmm. Okay, well, fine. Let's, let's do it. And that was a different twist to, to the adventure. And it worked out great. And yeah, so so like I said, I, I can't complain a lot about the gear we do um, as far as my go to. <laughs> just, just, just leave me on the on the, on the bank with the grill and get back, <laughs> grab a bite to eat let's roll. Yeah, sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> um. <laughs> What was your biggest bass from the trip? I think they were catching eight, nine pounders oh. out of Texas. Jeez. 
So how did you guys identify the body of water that you wanted to go fish in? I mean, is that something that you were getting advice on social media or the people that were inviting you or you would pinpoint, hey, this is on the way or hey, there's a lake. Let's stop here. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. Um, a few invites from, from individuals on social media. You invite from there, there's several apps that we were using that identify fishing spots. Um, so several of those. And um, friends, when we rolled up into Missouri, I believe it was on Adam Anderson, um, it advised us to a couple places. We actually went in Michigan. We actually fished in Kevin Tegdale's backyard. In nice. And, and, and caught fish. Um, so, so like I say, just the apps and, and individuals reaching out on social media. And, and therefore, you know, there are places, like I say, in Georgia, I don't know if you remember the Rock the Wayne Johnson posted his um, catches of the, of the bass on Instagram, and we were trying to make it to you know, fish in this pond with him. And yeah. however, we have a place in Georgia as well, right behind our house, you know, our personal farm, and that's where we ended up fishing. Okay. Um, Come on, Rock. So, so yeah, it's lots of options, lots of options throughout the entire country. Rock's always pulling out like giant bass out of his, <laughs> like huge. Right. Right. I, I'm not familiar with largemouth fishing in Alaska or Hawaii. In fact, I didn't even know if they had populations of largemouth up there. Right. So Alaska don't have a, a, a wild population of uh, largemouth bass. So when we got to Alaska, it was like, well, we'll just spend time in Alaska and just catch whatever we catch. Mm. And we ended up meeting this guy at the Bait Shack just outside of Anchorage. And um, this guy found out what we were doing, and he dropped everything, and and um, and truck weather drove around. The next day, we got with him, and we, we caught more fish in Alaska than we did in three years of fishing. Really? Nice. Uh, from, I, I can't even tell you what, what else species that we caught in Alaska. That it was very, very welcoming there. Huh. And um, we, we actually had the, the natives, I, I guess it's something, a silver salmon or something like that that was in season or in the run. And Isaac would catch one, and his, his intent would be to let it go. And, you, you know, you had guys coming back and, um, like, no, 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 don't, don't let the fish go. We, we, we want that fish. And, and, and they were getting into arguments over the fish because Isaac was going to let, let the fish go. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, catch and release is a different, a different, uh, right. there. So, what, you know, the, I'm just thinking of just the general, you know, getting the right license in each state. How did you guys go about that? Because a lot of them, there's apps to get, you know, Missouri Department of Conservation, you can get everything on an app. Like, how'd you go about doing that side of it? Well, okay, so you can get a one-day, two-day, three-day fishing license in a state, uh, which is easily done online. Mm-hmm. Um, however, as a minor, which, which is what I was going through on that trip, it, you didn't require a fishing license in most of the states. Awesome. So that ended up being very, very easy. Uh, however, the states that he did need one were able to get it. The um, one area you saved, the one area you saved money. <laughs> right. Hey, I saved five bucks on my can't fishing afford, license. Can't afford not to go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Jimmy, you know, I like uh, it, kids grow so fast and, and, and to spend a whole summer with your son doing this is just incredible. And I'm wondering if you saw any growth or change in him and how he was a different young man from the beginning as opposed to the end of the experience. Absolutely. If you, if you ever get a chance to watch the, um, the dedication that he did to the trip, it, it, it speaks for itself. Hmm. Um, I think we're on the road just a little over eight weeks. And I think I'll learn more in, in that eight-week period than, than he did, actually. Um, he, he, he was... 
he was definitely the more mature one during the majority of the trip. Mm. Um, all the cussing and screaming and yelling was all was all my head. However, you know, like I said, I, I learned more from him and, and the patient and just watching him have fun. That and that's what the trip was all about was to have fun. I mean, I think uh, how special, because, you know, if, as you say, you, you get your summers with them. You guys live, you know, how many states apart, how many miles apart. And I can't imagine the memories for him that that summer, it, you know, I'm sure every summer special, but that summer has got to stick out forever for him. And for you to be able to do that with him and for him, I mean, that's that's truly something mm-hmm. special as a father. You know, you, everybody would love to be able to do something like that, especially if you're not getting to see him on a daily basis. Like, that's a true memory. It's a, a three-month, four-month set of yeah. memories every day. That's that's pretty awesome. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, what, what I've learned is you know, there's several species of fish just in a state, and a lot of times within a region of a state. And... About halfway through, I asked Isaac, well, why didn't we just concentrate on the eight species of Georgia? Or, or why didn't we do, you know, like the five species of catfish in mm-hmm. Georgia or something? Why didn't we have to jump on, you know, 50 states? <laughs> and his response is, well, we have time. Why not? And, about it. Why, not? why not we have time and dad you've got the paycheck so <laughs> why not <laughs> that's really... yeah he, one day he'll be like 40 and he's got kids he's like holy, holy shit why did i do... how did dad do this <laughs> why not now i know the answer why not <laughs> so that's pretty special so how many miles overall did you guys add them up how many miles you guys drove i didn't it was uh, the intent um but you know how it is about three, four states in it, and you forget to log your miles, or you forget mm-hmm. to log how much you filled up, and, and it goes out the window. Yeah. So I, I have no idea how many miles we go. However, I think my truck has right around 30,000 miles right now, and that's with all the other driving I've done since the trip. So I would I would estimate eight to 9,000 miles throughout the entire trip. That doesn't seem that bad. I mean, really, it doesn't, you know, I put six, going to Alaska. I'm trying to think, I put six or 7,000 on in hunting season last year. Yeah. So that doesn't, in the scheme of things, you know, that doesn't seem terrible. You're not good. No, it was a lot of trips Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the farm. (laughs) Still haven't killed. Still haven't killed. And it's January. (laughs) Still doing it. (laughs) I need two more months here. (laughs) Jimmy, as you look back, is there anything that you would have done differently about the trip? No, what? Um, I would have ate. I don't know, less ice cream or less junk food. <laughs> no, that's but not going to I was wearing sweats. I, I did not put on a pair of jeans. I put out to wear a regular pants. It's 100 degrees out. It's, it's August. Milk was a bad idea. <laughs> <sighs> Unreal. Um, d- like, did you guys keep tra- I know you didn't keep track of miles, but how many, like, did you keep track of how many fish you caught? We, we didn't, as long as we caught a bass in every state, that's all we're concerned about. And, um, so we caught several bass in, in every state. And, and, and other than that, I still caught lots of fish. So, like I said, we tried to have a good experience. Yeah. It, it wasn't just the sketch fish getting the fucking weed. Um, I think we spent an hour. We spent a week in Iowa. We actually spent a week in Georgia. Hmm. We spent four or five days in Las Vegas once we got to Nevada there. And, uh, New York has spent a couple of days. California has spent a couple of days. So, so yeah, it wasn't just like the schedule fishing leave. We actually had quite a lot of fun in, in, in every single state. So you said you caught the most fish in Alaska. <clears throat> Where, what state 
did you have the best experience or, you know, the, the best fight with a fish or the biggest fish or, you know, was there a certain state that stood out outside of Alaska for the most fish? I think Alabama, um, Isaac got to meet, you know, other than Kevin up in Michigan, he got to meet uh, Mr. Boyd Duckett, Ryan Saltzman. Ryan Saltzman is uh, one of the eight guys down there, um, has his own fishing boat. We actually sponsored Ryan from his uh, events. And um, so Ryan took him out to Garnersville. Garnersville is a destination for Alabama, mm-hmm. known for the big bass and the population of, of the bass there. And um, just kind of, I think this was Isaac's first time meeting Ryan and getting on his boat and Ryan taking him out and showing him a great, great time on Garnersville. And uh, like I said, then the combination of meeting Boy Duckett there, the owner of Duckett Rods, which, you know, Isaac uses quite, quite, quite often. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think, <laughs> and, and so Isaac and the camera guy were eating up with dead bugs at one of the hotels in, in Alabama as well. So that, we'll, we'll never forget that. <laughs> I won't say it was a great experience, but it was a first for a lot of us. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So how about some advice? Like if, if, if there's a dad listening out there right now and they're thinking, oh, this sounds like a cool, like, like kind of like a rite of passage experience for my son or daughter, what advice would you give them to put together? You know, whether it's as big as what you did or maybe not quite uh, as big, but what would what advice would you give them? Well, you touched on it a while ago. Um, the kids aren't going to be kids forever. And um, when, when they grow up, the, the, the days are gone. Mm. So it, it, it's hard for me to give advice from the position that I'm in. However, I, what, what I want everyone to know is that I was not always in the, I was not always able to do, you know, something like this. And, but I always said, if I am ever able, I will make it happen. I will not say no and you will know, as an excuse. I will definitely do whatever is in my power for for my son. Um, however, this ended up being for my son and actually for the, the entire crew. The entire crew was just as grateful as well because they they wouldn't have had the opportunity to visit fifty states and fish fifty states and have an experience in fifty states as well. However, as far as collateral, it, it, it came with the territory. I, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, If it's in your power, if you have the means to make your kid smile, to, to make your kid happy, there, there, there's absolutely no reason not to. Yeah. I think it could be simple, something as simple as buying them a fishing pole mm-hmm. <laughs> and spending time with them going to the local fishing hole. I mean, it's something as simple as that, making memories, getting them off a screen. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't have to be as elaborate, but just to spend the time, it could be anything, shooting your bow, playing catch anything that's what i notice with the kids it doesn't take much they just want your time undivided attention of your time yeah and i mean we we have we have an epidemic in our country right now of of ice you know kids who are isolated from their parents and 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 we see some of the you know the symptoms of that coming out in the national news and 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 i think we can't have too much of parents pouring into their kids like there's just no such thing as too much of that and it's it's great jimmy to see you doing this important because it would be so much easier for you to say oh you know how much it's going to cost me or you know how much time that's gonna that's gonna be and 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 even if it is matt something as simple as just taking your kid down to the local pond or something like these these uh, these moments these adventures that you have with your kids are so powerful 
and I mean, they literally changed changed the way their brains are rewired and changed the way they relate to other people and yeah. and, and help them be more compassionate and, and open their, and expand their horizons, help them see things from other people's perspectives. Those are all powerful experiences. Right. And, and I noticed that when uh, we get to an area and the fishing wasn't that good, I think we have to work a lot harder for, for the fishing. Um, the places where we went, you catch a fish every cast. Yeah, it was fun for the first five or ten minutes, but then it's okay. Um, but we, I, I had fun everywhere. Isaac had more fun where he actually had to learn to put his fishing skills to the test as far as um, figuring out which bait to use, what they're biting, um, figuring out the technique, and so on and so forth. We um, get that, bring it back to the boat where we got to choose what type of boat we, we wanted uh, for our personal fishing. Mm-hmm. I was the type, I, I said, I want a pontoon boat. So he said, grill up on it, got a cooler over here, mm-hmm. a party barge, you, yeah. you know. And um, Isaac said, no, we need a fishing boat, one that has a big motor so we can get to the fishing spots and this and that. And I'm like, well, who's in a rush? We're fishing. This is no big deal, you know. Until I found out how the pros did it. And if you want to do it like the pros, you have to have the proper equipment. Mm-hmm. So um, I had to eat a little crow and not get my pontoon boat and go to a full little bass boat. Because that's what I didn't want. Could have been selfish and got the parking boat and forced him to do what I wanted to. Sure. However, now I'm doing what he wants. To. So I, I think we should we should touch briefly if you, if you're okay with this on kind of your story, your background, and and how you grew up to to the success that you are and the success that you see now it's not something that just popped up out of nowhere to you know this is a journey for you and you kept mentioning it or referring to it now you are afforded these opportunities because of kind of the work that you've put in and you know all these years leading up to it so maybe just if you're comfortable with it give us a rundown of of your story and what brought you to this point today well growing up in south georgia and i mean deep south georgia um, in, in, in a in a broken home where, where my parents were divorced, I spent more time with with, with my grandparents. My granddad was a farmer; he was the outdoors person. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up coon hunting, squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, any anything that had to do with a group of people out, outside, where it was more of a social event than anything. Mm-hmm. So at seven, eight years old, I go hang out with the rabbit hunters. They may shoot five or ten rabbits. But at the end of the day, you show up at someone's house, there's chicken on the grill. You, you know, so it, it, it was more about the socializing versus the, the hunting. Um, and, and very, very poor. At the time, you didn't know you were poor because even when you're not poor, you see things that you wish you had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so back then, you wanted everything. However, you had everything you needed, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so you, you have those dreams that, well, Gosh, if I could ever do this, I could ever afford that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for my kids. You know, if someone did this for me, then, then, then this is how I'm going to handle it differently. And, and, and we, we handle it the best that we absolutely can. Um, I, I, I know there are millions and millions of dads out there in, in my situation right now who, you, you know, you don't live with your kids. So whenever you do have that time, you capitalize on it the best way possible. Mm-hmm. And um, their kids are not, they're not grown people. We, teach them, we have to teach them. Um, I, I guess the morals, the values, and the ethics mm-hmm. while they're under our, our, our care. However, they're under our care 24 so, 7. Um, so, so, going back to, to my, my childhood, that's that's how I came up. Um, it didn't have a lot, um, had, had a lot of dreams. And um, I think after high school, so I graduated 
56 or 57 or 57 or 58. I was there at the very bottom of the class. I think there was one person underneath on the high school transcript. And um, so a lot of people told me, well, you'll, you'll, you'll never go far. You, you know, you barely graduated high school. I'm like, well, but, but I graduated. <laughs> we're, we're, we're good there. Give me some credit. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. And, and, I, and I got a call from the Air Force. They tell you, you scored high enough on the athlete to join the, uh, the, the Air Force. I actually thought they were they were joking because mm-hmm. I thought you had to be really smart to join the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, but a year later, I was at Brown's Air Force Base, Georgia, <laughs> working Jeez. on the gate of their security police officer. And um, yeah, so I did several years in the Air Force, and then later on moved to Montana, cross trained into the Army, and um, finished up my career as, as, a, as a soldier with the U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, still pursuing the hunting career. Matter of fact. All the disciplinary action I had throughout my career was because I was trying to be not at Garden Island, not in formation, because I was hunting somewhere. <laughs> Good man. It's allowable. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I guess you can look at it several ways. You know, I, I pursued my passion, but at the same time, I defaulted on my commitment. Um, I followed my passion, but hey, mm-hmm. at the same time, the army says, hey, well, step is home. Use up to get to the next position. And that's what I did. So I, I don't. I don't regret any of it at all. I'm glad sure. Absolutely, it did. Um, so again, coming back to Ivy, coming back to my responsibility full circle, I wanted to handle my situation with Isaac a lot different than it was handled with, with, with me as, as a child growing up. Yeah, I think it's important. You know, you always hear guys say, not to make, you know, that saying is like, you don't want to make the mistakes of your father, whatever they, however small or mm-hmm. large they may be. You always think, as you said, growing up, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it different, but it's up to you to actually do it different. Right. <laughs> you actually have to put your money where your mouth is, you know, and then, so. then try not to swing the pendulum too far, the opposite direction. Yeah. Because then, and, you know, I, what I've learned as I've matured and, and become a father is that I can see now why dad did the things that he did. Sure. Like it wasn't just, Oh, I'm going to do something you know, to screw up my kid's life or whatever. Like there were, there was, there's reasons behind all this stuff. And yeah, you have a lot more, I think, appreciation for what your parents did and a lot more empathy for the the hard decisions that they had to make because you realize, oh, they were dealing with these five other factors at the same time. So I, you know, while we have you, Jimmy, I think I'd be, it'd, it'd be a mistake if I didn't bring up the season that you and Isaac had last year on the hunting side, we've been talking fishing, but you guys also had a hell of a year on the hunting side. It kind of with the cherry on top was what you killed in Iowa there. You guys bought a farm in Iowa. You kind of documented that whole process, uh, but you went on some Western trips and kind of all over the place. Right. So a few years ago, I actually moved to Iowa, became an Iowa resident over in the uh, Van Buren County area. And um, we started out with that little farm. Later on, bought another farm over in Lucas County near um, Osceola, and they, they, they weren't the farms that we were looking for, uh, but they had deer on them. Isaac wasn't able to come down to hunt with us as much as I was wanted to, so we, we just kept them on the side as go-tos here and there. And actually, during the summer, right in the middle of our fishing trip, my friend Cody Fisher called up and says, hey, the farm right next to us just came up for sale. The farm I've ridden by a million times and we've been seeing deer on it, and it said, well, if that farm ever comes to sell, we, we, we should try to jump on it. And right in the middle of the trip, when I'm spending all the money that I've saved up, Cody calls up and says, hey, get the farms for sale. I need more. Good timing. <laughs> <Right>. Great. <laughs> so no I said, well, 
what do you think we should offer on this thing? And uh, so I gave Cody a number to offer, and, and, and I just hoped and prayed they would refuse the offer. <laughs> yeah, so he called back in about 15 minutes and said, hey, they accepted it, like, Ooh. right off. Like, oh, my goodness, here That's we go. a joke. So, we got to cancel so a fishing trip. Kidding. I got to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ended up um, getting the farm, and uh, the, the sellers agreed that we can go ahead and put up trail cameras on it. And, um, gosh, we, we rode in. We, we cut the fishing trip short just a little bit to hurry up and get the hour. Um I think we fished on the farm and some of the neighbor farms for our, our trip for our hour of state. Well, at the same time, I was now putting up a trail camera. And in about two weeks, I mean, this is before we close on the farm, but we're just in the process now getting the paperwork done. In about two weeks, several deer showed up. They were pushing it on 180, 200-inch mark. And I was sending a picture around to, to several friends. And um, they were like, oh, yeah, that's that's a 190 or 195. That was pushing 200 and so on and so forth. And, but then the realtor would contact Cody and says, hey, I have other guys interested in the farm. Um, they're, they're often to pay more than, than, than Jimmy paid. As a matter of fact, they're getting tough with Jimmy to, to buy from Jimmy. And I said, you know, whatever. I, I think we're going to keep it and, and hunt this farm. So, so we did. And um, again, Isaac wasn't able to make it down for the youth season. Um, that the farm wasn't quite set up. However, when when, when, it, when the time came to, to capitalize, the deer are unpressured, the deer continued to grow, and uh, we were able to get in on some good hunts. A um, few hiccups here and there with the, uh, the deer drives on the neighboring properties, which is fine. Um, I think they kept a lot of the deer stirred up for us and provided opportunities for us later on the day that we did capitalize. So I think Isaac ended up taking a 150, 160 um, deer again. And, and I, I throw these numbers out because this is how people describe them to me. Hunting to me is going out and shooting deer and having a good time. Yeah. You know, so gosh, that's a big deer right there. And uh, that's a nice deer or a nice buck. I don't know about a number or how, how, how to score one on the hook, but if he's nice, I, I, I want to go after it, you know. And um, once Isaac came out and took his first deer during early shot, right? I was pretty much done hunting until this 200-inch buck showed up on camera again. And um, he showed up on camera in a spot that I knew this afternoon he'll be within 100 yards of my money pole. Mm. And sure enough, that, that's yeah. what happened. So um, well, they would come on that one. Jimmy had a – so you had an encounter – Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you have an encounter with him earlier in the year before the, the day that you shot him? During the archery season, I mean, he was in, he was as close as 55 to 65 yards mm. several times. Mm. And um, I was able to video him right out of the bowl at, at, at that range. Mm -hmm. I wasn't comfortable shooting my bowl at, yeah. at that distance. But, um, yes, he would come and he would bed down and lay down and graze the for 45 minutes to an hour. Uh. Yards the line. footage of this is incredible. I mean, I've, I've seen the hunts and all that stuff and the footage of that deer on the encounter specifically, it's just like, Holy cow. It's a giant. I would die. It was a giant. Yeah. So it, it's cool. I mean, you know, and it's not like you're cause you were by yourself. Were you self filming on that one? Yeah. yeah, so you know, it's not like he's a camera. <laughs> you know, I, if I, if that were me, I'd be shaking. <laughs> Two hundred inch deer, fifty five yards. That you know, it's it, it was pretty. Uh, I don't know the nerves. I could almost feel the nerves through the through the TV. You know. <laughs> so the final encounter, how close was he? So um, December eighth, I think it was the last day of uh, first shotgun season. 
And uh, so we're, we're, we have a 350 legend and um, we range him at 177. And, and again, I'm self-evident I'm going by myself. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not perfect, you know. I graduated 56 or 57, so I think it's not what do you expect? Listen, you can't um, keep yeah, going back to that. You've, you've gone past that now. <laughs> yeah, well, anytime anyone asks me for an executive decision, I'm, I'm the last person to ask. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is how we handle it. But, uh, but so, so he's chasing this doe across, across the state of Beanfield, and the doe comes in, she hangs out in the field just a little bit and, and heads on out. He grazes just a little bit. He comes in and he, uh, he eats a little. He's attentive to all the other bucks in the field, mm-hmm. but he starts to pursue this doe. He, I don't know. I, I, looking back on it, I should have taken the shot. I should have waited a, a little bit longer. But a hard quartering shot is what I had, and that's what I took. I got 177 yards, 350 legs, which we're, we're very comfortable shooting. Yeah. And this deer dropping his tracks. If you ever watch the footage, he's dropping his tracks, uh. and um, very, very emotional. Because a lot of times when it's a hunt here, a lot of times when it's just the entire logistics of it, you know, from mm-hmm. from the day I heard about the farm to the day of actually shooting a nice deer on this farm. You know, there, there was a lot that took place. Yeah, and I, 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 I got a quite a bit emotional about that, you know. And um, so I turned the camera and I'm doing a little interview, and I should have been paying attention to the field because I don't know what happened once I got down out of the blind and went over to where he was. He, he wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now I'm panicking, it's getting dark. Um, Cody and I will show up later on that night, flashlight, looking, no clothes, no tracks, or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so he's gone. He's absolutely gone. And we went back and looked at the footage, and I mean, in the footage, you see the smoke jump off, you see him hit the ground. I mean, he's, he's picture perfect. I've heard, you know, picture perfect video, and picture perfect in real life. Yeah. He's going to do the thing. Maybe about a week or so later, you know, we're still we're still enhancing the farm. We're still doing our uh, our management on it. Um, going through the woods, looking for places to put in trails and food plots and, and hang off stands. And always keeping an eye off for you know any of the coyotes or the vultures or whatever we can find inside of it. And the, the place that we always cross to go up to one of our ladder stands on the border of the property. And, and I see a matted hair on the ground from about twenty yards away. And walk over and there, there's a big one oh, sticking up out of the out of the wind there. And obviously the coyotes are taking taking mm-hmm. anybody here, but so, uh, at least we had closure Yeah. So then that night when you guys go back in the flashlights, you know, and, and so there's zero blood. Did you guys end up getting permission to use a tracker dog or did you, you know, cause I know, especially, you know, you'd like to think everybody does this for no, no matter if it's a doe or a 120 inch buck or, a, you know, a 200 inch buck, but you're going to try to find them. You've got the footage. You, yeah. you think you got a decent shot, even though it's quartering two. what were the steps that you took after you guys started and, you know, you weren't finding, finding blood. What did you do after that between then and the week later when you found them? So, Talking to a lot of the guys who had more experience with, with, with it than me, Corey Fisher just lost a, 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 a nice buck as well earlier in the season. He had a tracking dog come out, and um, they, they still didn't find it. Um, we, we considered using the tracking dog to come out. However, I was led to believe that, hey, well, maybe not mortally wanted to bring the dog, and you could walk it completely off the property. So so there's, there's all these different ideas of, what's best to use, what's not good to use. Mm-hmm. I said that he got up from that and just walked off with no blood. 
than maybe not more than one. I, I, I don't know. Um, we, we really didn't know what, what to do. Um, but I did know I didn't want to bring the dog in and ruin everyone else's heart mm-hmm. around me by running the dog in and out, spooking here, all the neighbors, all the neighbors. Um, I, I have a little bit more respect for them. But if you do see my deer anywhere, this deer is anywhere, just let me know. And um, but, but all the neighbors were very, very cooperative. I, I can't tell you how many trail cameras went up looking for this deer afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, but but he never he never left the property. It's about four hundred yards from where um, the standard Greenfield was where mm-hmm. we actually found it. Okay. But um. So did you guys that night? How far did you track her? I mean, you know, you got no blood. It's really tough. I mean, that's a disheartening. <laughs> that's you know, you don't really know what to do. I've been in the situation before as well. And you, are you grid searching or? You know, are you thinking, oh, he's not hit no blood. He's maybe I didn't hit him really much at all. I mean, what was the thought process there? Right. So that I was told him, well, maybe you just clipped his spine. You know, maybe you hit him high, just clipped his spine, which they, they were surviving after that. And going back and looking at the footage, you ever see the footage? It, it could look like that. It could look like, okay, we just clipped his spine. He went down, he got up. And, and again, once he got up out the middle of the beanfield, which direction did he go? Well, if he didn't come west, because I was sitting to the west. But he could have went east, north, south. No one knew which direction he was starting to grid search. Um, the direction he came from, he could have went back that way. Who knows which direction he went? And again, I sat in the blind for another four or five minutes and, and never noticed any movement at 170 yards where he went down. Once I made the track to over to where he was, I had to get in the woods, so I couldn't see where he went down. Mm-hmm. He got up in. Again, who knows which direction we went. So that made the determination as far as which way we start this search. And again, we're not far from a neighbor to the south. We're not far from a neighbor to the east. Mm-hmm. We're going to Trump and around. We're really just going to turn the one off at this point. Sure. That's a real tough call to make. <laughs> Especially on a deer of that caliber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in those type of situations, I mean, that's part of why we – did deer cash track is to try to give you some, some more assistance as far as at least, because you're mm-hmm. in that situation, you're texting every friend, you know, anybody, there's everybody's Even got people one, you're not friends with. Yeah. Everybody's got one buddy. That's really good tracker or hunter. He's got a dog or everybody you're texting. Everybody, you know, you're trying desperate. to get advice mm-hmm. on what to do and track and deer cash is just one more place to go to get some advice. And you're getting it from Bobby Colbertson and, you know, Tracker John and Mark and Terry, these mm-hmm. you know, four yeah. or five, 6,000 track jobs between the four of them, how, however many they've gone through. So that's an area where, you know, it might not give you, you still may not find the deer, but at least they might give you the advice. And I think obviously in your situation there, the tough, tough part about it was the angle, the shot angle, which, you know, they talk, Mark and Terry talk about that a lot too. And it, you get in the heat of the moment. It, it is, and it's just a tough decision to mm-hmm. make. And sometimes in a deer like that, you just aren't thinking right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, he, you, and you're, you know, you might think, Oh, I got the right angle or you, you know, you just never know. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have that blackout moment where it's like, yeah. I don't remember exactly what happened. Yeah. And memory is not a very great and reliable resource to fall back on. It can change. Luckily you had video footage yeah, that's <laughs> to, to go back mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Well, and, and we should mention there's kind of an Easter egg within DeerCast track if you go over to the track, so there's kind of two tabs in there. If you go, if you hit the the uh, 
I think it says 3D. like tracking tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and if you go down that, it allow it shows you a three dimensional deer video with the organs and skeletal structure in a video that you can scrub back and forth, and so you can rotate that deer, and you can see based on the height that you were at, whether you were in you know high up in a tree or all the way down on the ground, and then rotate that deer, so you can see okay from that vantage point, from this angle on the tree or in the blind, this is what I had. This is the profile that. I had kind of a vital sight picture. Yeah. We don't do a good job of, of telling people about that, but it's in there and it's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so then like when you recover it, do you, like you can go to your taxidermist. Do you just ask him to find a cape that'll fit the deer? And like, how did you handle that? No. So the first thing we did when we recovered it, we contacted our Mr. Jensen, the local DNR and asked him which tag we used to put on this deer. I think it was muzzleloader season at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was late shotgun, early shotgun, I believe it was when we actually um, shot the deer. And um, so we came to the conclusion to, okay, we'll just put the late muzzleloader tag on it now. It's a late muzzleloader season. I have no intention of hunting. So we put that tag on it. Uh, we already had Isaac deer and an elk cape from our uh, earlier New Mexico elk hunt at the tax Um so we just dropped them off and says, hey, well, let's just clean them up for now. Let's put aside later on what we want to do with um, As far as mouth, do we want a life-size mouth this year? Um, because, again, it was really not even my intention to hunt this first year on, on the farm. It was, you know, to get, get the farm and watch stuff grow, um, reap the benefits of your of the labor, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and well, beer hunt on it. As a, as, as a topping, I guess, you really can call But man, when this deer showed up, okay, well, 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 let's go after it. Looking back on it now, I probably, I definitely wouldn't have taken the shot that I took, okay? And then if I can go back, I probably just would have managed the farm and, and not even on it, even, even though this deer was there. Hmm. Um, again, letting Isaac enjoy the farm. If that deer would have showed up when, when Isaac was hunting, so be it, we, you know, let's, 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 let's get it going. But at the same time, I really didn't care to shoot the biggest deal on the farm. It mm-hmm. just happened that I did. Um, I feel bad that we were able to recover it, or I was able to recover it sure. uh, right away. But, yeah, I, I, I do a lot different in, in that scenario. Man, you could second guess yourself all day long, but really, I, I you know, it, it's the heat of the moment stuff happens mm-hmm. you know but man i don't know if i had a deer like that I, unless he was super young and you knew he was super young somehow i don't know how i could not go in and hunt that deer you're be better tough. man than i am yeah. i couldn't do it i i am surprised that and this is this kind of goes to i'm glad you called your local dnr agent and asked advice on what or how cuz i'm surprised they didn't just tell you to do a salvage tag but maybe you know maybe it was too close to when you had shot him to to kind of be applicable mm-hmm. for a salvage tag and i bet that's just a uh decision that each individual agent yeah uh, it's just a i guess a judgment call on their part but it just goes to show you like you're better off calling them and Always getting ask. advice mm-hmm. and then you know you're in the clear because who the hell i i mean i i certainly wouldn't have thought the muzzleloader tag i would have thought my my Whatever you shot, shot it with. yeah but he's right if it happened five days or 10 days or whenever, you know, after the season was over, when you recovered him, you know, I don't know. That's such a weird gray area that you only can mm-hmm. do right by calling the agent and, t- and him telling you what to do. Yeah. It seems like agents have quite a bit of discretion because I mean, you can only write 
code, wildlife code for so many scenarios. And then there's going to be gray areas that are like, well, what do we do here? Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Good call. Well, let's get into some of the shenanigans here. Okay. We, we typically give our guests the out here. Like if you've got actual work, work to do, feel free to, <laughs> to step away and say, okay, I got to head out, but yeah, you're welcome you, to stick around. You could end your zoom call. Now this is your chance <laughs> to get away from us <laughs> or you could stick around for the shenanigans. All right. Let, let's, let's see what you got. Oh, okay. He's, okay. In, he's ready to play ball. Okay. Well, so we, we've got this week's real wild clip is a fishing related clip. And we should say that if you have like one of the guys in the rack pack just submitted a real wild clip, and I think we're going to end up using it. It's pretty, pretty crazy. So if you guys have crazy videos from the outdoors, send them into us and we'll maybe run them. Well, and then it gets featured over in the Drury Outdoors social media channels. We just put one up that... I think aired maybe two episodes or so ago. It was that turkey that flew down into mm-hmm. the guy's lap and he shot it. It's at like 150,000 views or something crazy like that. I mean, it's just rolling along. So uh, it, it's pretty neat to then get featured on the social channel side as well. Yes. So so before we before we view this real wild clip, I need to set this up. So <clears throat> this is this is probably from so my daughter's ten. She was probably four or five when uh, well she had been five. Good story. Because my, because <laughs> my dad was my dad was with us. He was he was. I, I gave him the point of view camera. So my daughter had. We were at a little farm pond, and my daughter <clears throat> catches a little bluegill. And as she's reeling in the bluegill, she's giggling. And it's funny, but I see a very large dark shadow following the bluegill. Alligator. Close. Well. <laughs> Closer. Shark. <laughs> well, it ends up being, well, I guess you just have to watch the clip and see what it is. All right. Roll that beautiful bean footage. All right. So Sophie <laughs> is, I took the rod from her because she was freaked out. Like and I, dad and I, I give it back. I give, give it my, I give my dad the, uh, the, uh, the camera. And what you see now is like something roiling in the water. So Sophie's holding the rod and I'm end over ending the line. And it's probably a three pound largemouth that she's inhaled her bluegill. Out. Yeah, she's freaking out. She's in a pink tutu. It's cute. <laughs> she's dressed you know, to go giggling. <laughs> That's hilarious. We and we cut this clip way down to shorten it up, but it's a couple minute clip, and you know she's she's like not wanting to go over there and get near the fish, and she's yeah, like, it's, it's waving at me. Yeah. Well, and and it's funny because because in the longer version, my my dad knew what was up. He didn't realize it was such a big fish and you can hear him when he sees you know a big fish they move water differently than smaller fish and he threw up this kind of royal and my dad was like oh boy (laughs) (laughs) like that's game on that's pretty cool. And that's a memory you guys will have forever. Oh, I'll be to catch time. it on camera too. Mm-hmm. So she's reeling in a bluegill. Then a bass comes in and eats the bluegill and like, you catch, you know, he's got him on a hook and <laughs> reeling it in and everybody's screaming. I mean, that's pretty chaotic. Yeah. Moment, but funny. And then she's like, let's go get another one. <laughs> if only. It's like, honey, they, uh, they don't come like that all the time. And, and so and this, this pond is full of bass. She insisted on bringing it home. We had it for dinner that night. Oh, that's cool. So she provided the meal for us. That's cool. Pretty awesome. So that's the real wild clip of the week. Yep. So if you guys have clips, send them on in. Yeah, this, see them. this is, you know, you shared that originally on your thinking uh, woodsman uh, page, right? Yep. Your YouTube channel. Yep. yep. And uh, it got me thinking about sharing, you know, we got 
Jimmy on and he was talking about Isaac, his son and their fishing trip and just, you know, hunting and how special the family side is mm -hmm. to him. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about your daughter and, you know, so it reminded me of a, a Instagram DM I got. This was late last week. So my daughter graduated preschool and, you know, now they graduate preschool, first grade, second grade. They're, uh, it's ridiculous. I get it. I always but thought it was ridiculous, know. but it's, you know, it's, when it's your kid, it's cute. So yeah. I shared a picture of my daughter on Instagram and, you know, how proud we were all this. This guy sends me a message and he tells me, man, I hope you don't take this in the wrong way, but I love what you and your family do for the hunting community. You guys represent hunters in a very clean and professional manner, and I respect you guys for that. And I'm thinking, oh, where, where is this going? Yeah, exactly. This is interesting. <clears throat> it says, with that being said, they, okay, here we go. It's super, and super is in all caps, awkward when I get on here and see content of your kids. I'm sure they're great kids and you're very proud of them. But as someone who has no clue who you are or who your kids are, Whoa. I find it extremely awkward and weird. What? I suggest sharing that content in a more private manner with people closer to your family. What? Just here for deer hunting content and not some random kids' life milestones. Best of luck oh, to you. Holy cow. It took everything I had not holy to MF this cow. guy <laughs> into oblivion, but I took the high road because you just never know. You know, I just took the high road and everybody can screenshot. Decided to talk about him on the podcast. Well, listen, I didn't say the guy's name. I could blast his, blast this fool that way. Terry Drury. <laughs> no, but I just said, I appreciate, appreciate wow. the feedback. I got one page, you know, and this is my life. You're following for a reason in my life. I'm a father first yeah I'm a family man first the reality is i do very little hunting anymore <laughs> that, that's the reality how often do we hunt well stick around for the uh, the question of the day okay. we get to answer that question. oh okay i didn't even know that i mean yeah. looked at the page here but i just said look this is my life and i'm gonna share it i i, I and i politely suggested <sighs> he might want to unfollow and he did <laughs> <laughs> but that's I just thought, what gall? That's incredible. <laughs> You're following me, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, and 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 yeah, we're not one dimensional. Like like we all have different interests, yeah. and we spend our time differently. And and most people appreciate getting to getting to see like the depth that that you have. I, I don't know. I thought I sat and thought about it before I because I never try to respond whether it's a text to you know uh -huh. something you know in the heat of the moment. Try sure. not to respond right away. And I I sat and thought about it because I did I did want every bit of me probably wanted to say go f off you know yeah it's you followed this page I, this is just my life. Had we done that on the Drew Outdoors page, I could I think he would have a leg to stand on because like well people come there because it's a hunting page. Yeah, and we don't we don't hell. I'm never on that page. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I just kind of felt like it was very, he said super awkward. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's super awkward. You sent me this message. You made it but that way. Anyways, you know, for anybody listening that follows my Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, I mean, it's, it's just, I'm just sharing who, who I am and what I'm doing. And the reality is I'm doing more family stuff than I'm doing hunting right now. I'd like you to apologize for your children. <laughs> I'd like that to happen. <laughs> I'm sick of fingering my chest. <laughs> You and your kids. I thought you were going to bring up my comment that I made in that post. What was your comment? Total party school. Oh, God. yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was going to say, I was looking for, man, we'd switch around my soundboard here. and Oh, here it is. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs>
Now you're gonna hear and about now him. Now you're gonna hear about him. <laughs> so, he had a problem with me. <clears throat> so don't come so don't problem is solved. Kids. He unfollowed. And that's the beauty of social media. I said politely, you can unfollow, and he did. That is the beauty of liberty. That's hey, and justice for all. In a friggin' free country, yeah. that's what you do. Although next time, just unfollow me. Don't send me the message because yeah, I could give crappy. a rat's ass. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. All right. Wildlife. Well, let's do um let's do question of the day. All right. So the question of the day is probably brought to you by Cold Steel Professional Blades for Real Hunters. I am not a real hunter, but I do use a Cold Steel. Hi, my name is Justin McCormick. I live in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Hoosier. And I was curious of how many days do you guys spend in the woods during deer season? Mm. Okay. Jimmy, you go first. You you obviously spent some time in the in the outdoors last year, but how many time how many times did you get out to actually hunt? I, I hunted a lot. I hunted every single day of the archery season, and um, the entire first shotgun season. We're speaking, we're talking hours, and um, yeah. But after the last day of the last day of the shotgun season, I was pretty much done. Um, and, and again. It didn't matter if I was seen deer, not seen deer, shot a deer, didn't shoot a deer. I, I would have been there up until the day I, I shot Udo. And um, had I not seen him, I, I continued to hunt that day. However, I was retired. I didn't have a job to go to. I didn't have any other responsibility but being in the woods. It, and again, my situation is different than a lot, but yeah, I, I was in the woods every single day of the last hour of your season. Jimmy's living the life. He worked hard. He got to retire and now he's just living. <laughs> he's going on fishing trips. He's hunting every day. I'm envious. Just live vicariously through Jimmy. That's right. I'd be good with that. How about you? Um, I kind of broke it down. I, I typically uh, have been spending two to three days per week. I don't know what that amounts to, but through September 15th to January 15th. Do the math, Tim. Whether it's impossible to know. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I'm not good at math. <laughs> I'm no doctor. I think that can be known. Uh, but yeah, but two or three days a week, it seemed like. And then like even after I killed, trying to get friends out or Sophie out and or just doing stuff, moving stands, whatever. It seemed like that's about what it, what it amounted to. Yeah, I, I would guess I probably spent around 45 days. And, you know, but I'm, this isn't like I'm hunting all day. It'd be, we yeah. come to work, you leave at, you know, depending on the, the part of the season or where we're going, it might be leave at noon, leave at two, but, mm -hmm. and then head to the stand. So hunt for three hours roughly and sure. then head home. So, I mean, I, I probably got, it was, it was a long season. If we hunt, we didn't kill the last year until January fourth or fifth it was close there and so you know I, i'd say probably 45 days but like i said the kind of a asterisk there a few yeah. hours here a few which yeah. is the same for you yeah it's yeah not like any, other than on a weekend or something or during the rut it wasn't like it was an all day yeah affair yeah. trying to be strategic time in that deer yeah. cast uh, well and i said it earlier in the podcast I, I did run the mileage i think it was i thought it was like seven six six to eight thousand miles I put on my truck last year. Yeah, but I yeah. did go to Kansas and went to Illinois, went up to Dad. So sure. there's a couple of bigger trips in there. But most of our hunting was in 45, 30 to 45 miles of studio and then another, you know, 45 miles home. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 The suburban bow hunting is my bread and butter. That's really, I mean, just from sheer amount of time on task, it's just, it's killer, which 
in a good way or a bad I way? Should, well, it, it, in a good way. Yeah, being able to get to my stand within 20 minutes of either here or from my house. Yeah, okay. And at the, at the end of the night when you're not, when you're just completely fatigued, not having to drive home, you know, at a, you know, a 45 minute plus drive. I'm jealous of that. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I should have killed more deer. <laughs> just killing time. Yeah. <laughs> Much like I, this podcast. If you're I still can listening. do that. <laughs> um, okay, so let's hop into the wildlife word. It's brought to you by Sportsman Channel, your home for Winchester and Drury's natural born and everything red, wild, and blue. <laughs> and I saw the lineup for uh, this next season of Winchester and Drury's natural born. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. I was in there snooping around, uh, trying to get Timmy. ready for some stuff. Uh, Timmy, I'm excited. Timmy. Oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking to see where the safe buck fell in that. Oh, it was about you. A little bit. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> no, we're going to pull that on now. <laughs> it's be a black spot in the episode. <laughs> Just out of spite. Well, I was thinking about him because I, I uh, sent a message on to Scenic Rivers Taxidermy where he's waiting because it's been about eight months now. They said that was about what it would take. To Not a paid back, sponsor. So Getting a plug. I'm uh, you. Well, hopefully we'll get. A Are they giving you that thing for free? No, no, we don't get anything. Not well, yet. No, I shouldn't say that. You we don't get much for free. <laughs> we got pecans and NASCAR experiences. All right, okay. Uh, so deer can drink from. And Jimmy, feel free to hop in. This is a multiple choice question. I, I know you didn't do so well in high school, but it seems like you've redeemed yourself. <laughs> for the Listen, rest, Jimmy, the you should feel right at home in this podcast because I didn't do so well either. <laughs> Neither did I. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, deer can drink from muddy water holes and not get sick because A, they're only pretending to drink. <laughs> B, the water is first filtered through their liver. Ooh, technical. Or C, the water is first filtered through their pancreas. <laughs> or D, they've developed a tolerance to the microbes in the water. Jimmy, as you, I, we always let our guests go first, I'm going to let you go. I'm pulling up deer cast track, and I'm going to look at the anatomy real quick. Do deer have a pancreas? And see, see what makes the most sense. Go ahead, Jimmy. <laughs> no pressure. I, I would say they develop a tolerance just to become a guest. Okay. Hmm. That's a good one. Develop tolerance to the microbes in the water. Man, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. The liver doesn't really make as much sense, although it's right do there. Deer, do deer even have livers? I've hit it, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely seen it. <laughs> Punched through one and two? Uh, you know what? I, I don't know. I, I would have probably went with the liver, but actually that D developing a tolerance seems like a more logical answer, so I'm going with that. And you guys are both right. Jimmy, my man. Look at you guys. We're first in the class today, buddy. 4.0, guys. Everybody can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you or I were to take a big swig of that uh, muddy waterhole water... <laughs> exactly. For a long time. Jimmy, I don't know if you're a listener or a fan of the podcast, but you're getting the real version of, version of it now. <laughs> I regret sticking around, don't you? <laughs> Unbelievably, people enjoy the podcast because they keep leaving us five-star ratings over an Apple. Boom. Check it out. <laughs> Yeah, so mm-hmm. we need more of those, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so Funk0919 at Apple Podcast gives five stars. He says five out of five. I listen to this podcast at work and think it's the best since the best thing since sliced bread, which is a good thing. Lots of great information and very knowledgeable guests, very relatable humor. 
Keep up the great content. Rack pack for life. My man. All caps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love our rack packers. Oh, yeah. They're the best. They're the best. And remember, if we get to 2,000 rack packers before the season starts, is that what I said? Before the season starts, you yeah. and I will do a podcast wearing anything that the rack pack decides. It's not lipstick. Tim didn't sign on for this. No, I sure didn't. <laughs> I don't think we can attain that number, so that's why I put it out Pretty there. Pretty safe bet. Yeah, so we're not to 1,000, and we only got like three months till season, two months, whatever it is, so. Well, if people like pasty lava lamps, then they'll like us if we hit 2,000. Well, I don't even know. Have you okay. seen a lava lamp? No. Well, yeah. Really? I had one, yeah. but. That's what we look like without shirts on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Still don't get it. Not a globular it. movement. Mine was like neon pink or oh, red or green or I don't know. It was something. I just know. Our Have you ever dropped one of those? I shot one. I shot one with my bow. No kidding. Yeah. Is it on video? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it looks like garbage because it was at nighttime. I tried to turn it on. Shocking. And it's hard to. <laughs> like all of your footage. <laughs> that hurts. Well, we can't all have camera guys. <laughs> That's right. Okay, buddies, I need someone to come over and film a lava lamp so getting I, shot. Anyway. Freshman year of college, I had this roommate. I'm not going to say his name because he's from my hometown. So we're in the we shared a dorm, and mm-hmm. he didn't make it through that first semester. Let's just say that he didn't make it to the second semester. Mm, teachers didn't like him. Something like that. So he's the day he's leaving. He's packing his crap and he's not got at this cart and we're on the I, I think it was the fifth floor and so i'm looking out the window as as he's leaving and his lava lamp dropped off the cart onto the ground oh, <laughs> just shattered everywhere. No. i thought to myself this is indicative of how this kid's <laughs> semester <laughs> went here. this is poetic yeah this yeah. is how it should end yeah it's a weird it's a weird material that's in there yeah it turned waxy uh, if I'm yeah, because that's what she said. I had a cookie sheet. <laughs> I had a Sorry. cookie sheet under the lava lamp to catch the glass, and when it sprayed out, like it left just like waxy residue all over the place. <laughs> okay. What? Well, oh. that's what she said. I could have huh. used it there. I think huh. it would have been better. All right. That's weird. <clears throat> Let's move on, Tim. <laughs> you were about to blow up. Well, listen, I'm very immature. <laughs> We got a special uh, rack pack list this week. It's a good thing Mark didn't listen to this podcast. It is a good thing. He would not yeah. like it. Not his favorite. <clears throat> All right. So every week we have this thing called the Rack Pack. It's a private group on Facebook. Every week Tim puts a list of new names that join the Rack Pack. Every week I got to read them. Every week I butcher them. And every week there's a fake name in the midst. All right. <clears throat> and we begin. <clears throat> Zach Miller. That's an easy one. I'm glad you started me off on an easy one. Mm-hmm. Yep. I can roll that. into it. Uh, Jake Dudenhofer. Is that the fake one? Ty Lubering. That could be the fake one. Ty, Ber- Ty Lubering. Jake Dudenhofer. <laughs> Carl Davis Sr. Heston Campbell. He's fancy. That's good. <laughs> So sure, that's what his parents are going la, for. La, la. <laughs> no, Lord Fauntleroy over here. Tristan Crawford, Wesley Mann. It's a manly name. Jonathan Ronald. Ronathan Jonald. Damn, man. I would have thought Jake Dudenhofer or Ty Lubering was the fake name, but I believe it's Ronathan Jonald. Now that I read it, 
<laughs> it was a uh, it was a, a a double feature. Both Jonathan Ronald, Jonathan Ronald, and Ronathan Jonald are fake. Are fake. Both yeah. of them. They're interdependent. You can't are you have me? you can't have a Ronathan Jonald without a Jonathan Ronald. Are you kidding me about Jonathan Ronald being fake? Yep. Uh, no. Is it fake or I'm is not it real? Kidding, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure there's someone you're getting in time. really deep on this now, where you're throwing a real fake name. I spent <laughs> ten hours on this yesterday. There's a lot of things that I didn't get to. Again, trying to glad Mark doesn't listen to this because he wasted ten hours. <laughs> We're trying to launch this no, new I version of Deercast, and let me tell you, we still got some things to do. I left here at one one a.m. this morning, just whispering, Jonathan Jonald. Jonathan, I got Jonald. it. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Jimmy. I think. You suck, Matt. I don't think so, Jim. <laughs> I'm gonna, it would be awesome if I just put a whole sentence together of sound bites. <laughs> right. We did it like kind of that one day. Remember? I just hit a bunch of buttons. It wasn't yeah. on the podcast. It was like before or after one, and it came out. It was like it was intelligible. Super hilarious, but yeah. we would never be able to Once do it again. Years. Yeah. Well, somewhere Jonathan Ronald is uh, pissed right now. <laughs> Joke's on him. <laughs> and Jonathan Ronald is happy. Finally got his due. We better shut her down. Mm-hmm. Um, stay tuned, everyone. We have an ongoing saga in my backyard. I'm calling it the the Adventures of the Backyard Bear. Sophie said she saw a black bear in the field behind our house. Don't you own a trail camera? So I got a reconnex up on it right now. <laughs> I don't so believe it. So I, You don't believe I have a trail camera back there? <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't believe there's a black bear, but really that, I guess there could be that area. I could totally see a black bear over there. Yeah. Our our neighbors two doors down had one in their backyard three summers ago. Sophie knows what bears look like. And she said she saw it plain as day. Maybe you should have led with that. So I'd put Bo Madness Bo out there and their Bo, that bear would go, he would terrorize the bear. (laughs) Uh, poor bear. You get a, a Reconyx video of a bear, and then here comes Bo running through the shots. Ah! Bear with a child on He's his back. He's riding him. <laughs> he would. Man, my kid's into this show called Big City Greens on Disney, yeah. and there's his, it's basically the story of this is it's a like a redneck family moved to the big city, okay. and the kid, his name's Cricket. And like he's in, you know, like bibs and no shoes all the sure. time. Well, he caught a bear in the big city and he was riding him around. <laughs> I'm thinking of Bo. <laughs> Stay tuned because we're going to have some video and some trail camp. If pictures. we don't, I'm going to be super upset. <sighs> better listen next week. You better show up next week. All right. All right. I Jimmy. just saw that. I don't believe it, but I just saw that. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, if folks want to see the, the fishing adventures that Jimmy and Isaac had, we'll make sure we link that up in the show notes for folks. You and your mom are hillbillies. I was thinking about that for, for your trail camera, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, we're in Jefferson County. so Okay. Sorry. I just right. screwed up Jimmy's plug there. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. All right, Jimmy, thanks for sitting through and enduring. We appreciate it. <laughs> Tim seems embarrassed by our end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blushing right now. <laughs> yeah, so you really got the full, the full <laughs> kit and caboodle here at the end. That's right. All right. Next time when somebody gives you an out, take the out. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, thanks for joining us, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, good luck this year. Until next time, peace out. See ya. The results are in. DeerCast said great. It doesn't exist anywhere else but in DeerCast. Hunters love DeerCast's exclusive deer movement forecast. Get ahead of your game with DeerCast.